Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. In a few minutes, I'm going to play you a group interview that we had with Dwayne Haskins after his first day of OTA work with the Redskins. But first, J.P. Finley from NBC Sports Washington and I discussed the impact of the Reuben Foster injury and some of our first impressions of Haskins from the OTA work as well as some other players. So now I'm bringing in J.P. Finley. And J.P., when I asked you to come on last week, I did not think we'd be talking about what we're going to talk about. And first of all, before we get into the whole Reuben Foster situation, you got to listen to J.P.'s podcast. I love going on there. It's a very fun one that he does with the guys from from NBC Sports Washington. You've been and, a huge part of it. And well, and it's been a blast. And it's yeah, been a it's blast. A blast. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. But this topic is not fun. No. Reuben Foster, man. So the plan was for us to talk Haskins, right? Like, exactly we're not going to be talking Ruben Foster. No, just terrible news. I mean, you know, because I think when we saw him go to the ground, you knew that it was going to be really bad. It was it was serious immediately. Yeah, because we we've all seen enough football practice that we know when it's a cramp or when it's something that one trainer's there trying to work on him and they get him off the field. But Ruben stayed in the middle of the field, in the middle of practice, disrupted practice for a few minutes. Then they kind of just worked around him. And to the point where it felt like we were expecting the cart, not right. surprised the cart came. Right, absolutely. And when the cart shows up, man, is never good. News. No, it's never good. And you could see the way he's slamming the ground in frustration, and you could hear him. You sobbing. could hear him sobbing. And that's what, like, whatever you feel about Reuben Foster oh. as a, off the field, whatever your thoughts are on all that, you see a player because, like, you know, from a football standpoint, the guy you work to this point, and your season's pretty is over in May. It, it's on a personal level you feel bad because whatever trouble he's brought on himself, and he's been certainly a part of all of his off-field issues, he worked hard to get to this point, back with the skins, was very excited. Every coach and you know staff person we talked to in there knows how hard it's been for him, and, and then it's just gone in a it's second. Just on a non-contact play in OTAs in May. Right. And, I mean, that's the worst part of it. And like I said, this we're just talking talking strictly from a football standpoint here. But the, the, the thing, like, I know you wrote something last week, and I know I wrote something a few days ago, basically referring to him as somebody who's a big key to what this defense could have been. Well, I, I think, because you and I talked about, like, kind of yeah. both our articles. So mine was a, I did, like, a depth chart review position groups, right? It was a Rich Tandler special, I'll be honest. <laughs> yes, it was. I went position by position, <laughs> yes. who's good, who's bad, who's going to help them. And to me, the linebacker group completely hinged on, they could be, you know, an A grade if Ruben's able to give right. them what what he was coming out of Alabama. And then for you, and I totally agree with you, you're saying he's one of the keys to the whole defense, the whole team. And, yeah. and if, he, if he showed what he had at Bama this year for the Skins, the ceiling of that defense was really high. Yeah, I think because I think this defense can still be good. Sure. Because some of the issues last year it was not just because they didn't have Reuben Foster in the middle. So right. let's like I'm not going to sit here and say now they they're going to go from a possible 10 win team to winning two games. I'm not. You can't be that dramatic in May. 
but there is an impact. But, like, you still look at the defense, you look at the defensive line, you look at the addition of Landon Collins, Montez Sweat. With those, if you just came out of this offseason with Landon Collins and Montez Sweat, you're still helping your defense. It's just that I, I felt like Reuben Foster could make them. You look at the impact of the guys in Dallas, Van Der Esch sure. and, and Jalen Smith. Look at what the kid Leonard did for the Colts last right, year. Right, exactly. But, and, and to me, they added front, they added help on the front end with Montez. They added help on the back end with Landon. And then getting Reuben in the middle was, oh, wow, we've added a serious playmaker on all three right. levels. And, and that, to me, is what, I, again, I, I think the Skins defense was – Statistically pretty good last year. Call them 16, middle of the pack. I, I think they still have the potential to be a top 10, top 12 group. I think their ceiling is lower without, without Ruben. Right, and I agree with you on that because, like I said, if you when you're watching, we've only seen Montez Sweat out here a couple times. Right. That guy's going to help. Oh, yeah. That guy's going the to help. The quickness is evident. The yeah, size the length. Is, the length uh, yeah. is incredible. And, um, you know, I mean – Ryan Kerrigan, when I talked to him at his golf tournament, was like he's, he reminds him of Julius Peppers. Right, physically reminds him of Julius Peppers. Then you, the addition, you know, the another year with with Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. Allen looks bigger somehow, dude. We were sitting there talking, uh, looking at him. His calf muscles are like if you combined, as you said, if yeah. you combine both your legs, that equals one calf of Jonathan Allen. What you said about him is true. He's thick. He's, he's thick. <laughs> and I got a lot of heat for that on Twitter. Is I'm not up on the vernacular. Okay, that was. But I realized. I quickly realized. Like I made a mistake. It but but it's true. The yeah. dude is like his body is just like he's a. Thick. He's just a big. He's a big thick guy. Whatever you want to make fun of us on that. But it's true. But you know. So when you look at this defense now without him, you still think it can be a, a really good unit. I I think top twelve is yeah. certainly in play. I, I think. They had a f- they had a few terrible games. Yeah. If you just don't have the terrible games, I think the stats would look better. Yeah. I mean, if if they just lose to New Orleans and don't get boat raced, if they just lose to the Falcons and don't give up, what they give up two hundred fifty passing yards in the first yeah, half of that it was game. Ridiculous. Uh, remember, there was that late touchdown, like at late yes, in the first half. Yeah, yeah. I think was it Calvin Ridley. It was like it was, yes. You know, and a lot of that seemed like major strategic communication breakdowns on the back end. Yes. And maybe Collins can fix some of that. And that's where and, and I maybe think, Ray Horton I was gonna say I think that. Ray Horton is a big key in that too. And just I think there needs to be better um uh, vibe or, or in syncing between the front seven and the back four. And I think I think Horton can help that. And that divide was evident after Thanksgiving last year. Big time. It, like when you you like you and I in the locker room every day you start seeing that stuff, and you could see that. I mean, when when folks on the back end would complain, folks on the front end would be like, "Man, whatever, we're, the well, coaching's fine," or whatever it was. And there were times where I talked to guys, like you know, what happened in this play, and it was always be like, "We're doing this. The guys in the back have to do this." Then you talk to the guys in the back, and they're pointing fingers up front. So yes, there was a definite divide, and I think that's where Collins can help. I think the more this becomes Jonathan Allen's team or defense, sure. which it certainly seems to be coming, then I think that's going to make a difference. And as just well. watching Ray Horton today, he's certainly a fairly demonstrative dude, and and he spoke with a real sense of authority. Yeah. And I'm not knocking Torian Gray at all. He was a nice guy. I think he did a fine job. But Horton's a guy that's been a D coordinator. He's been in the NFL 25 years. I'm yeah. guessing. This was Torian's first job. And in a lot of ways, I think folks at Redskins Park knew that at least 
half of the building wanted to keep Aubrey Pleasant when when Correct. when he left. So yeah. when Torian got the job, it's like, oh, you know what I mean? Like it's just a different set of circumstances. <laughs> and, and it's funny because I like Torian because I felt like he's focusing the details of the game. What they need here, though, is somebody who can do that, but plus has a big picture view. And that's why I say because you you know one of the things you'd hear is that they one of the reasons why they were thinking about adding a defensive passing game coordinator which Horton essentially is, but he doesn't have that title, right. is because they didn't feel, they felt like Minuski's really good with the front seven, needs help with the back four. He's a linebacker. That's up. what he is. Yeah. And so you can't just, he needs somebody who can tell him that we can't do this because who not only can tell him that, but has the gravitas to do that. Torian Gray wasn't going to be that guy. Ray Horton, I think, can be sure. that guy. He he, had, he seemed to have that presence. Right, and, you know, I, and I agree with you. I, I yeah. thought he had a definite presence. And hell, I, I watched him in one OTA in May, but it, seemed different. It did, and I think it's certainly different than what Perry Fuel was when he was here, sure. too. And I think one of the things with him, they didn't like that Fuel wouldn't correct things right away. Torian did that. But again, I think it's more having a guy who's a former coordinator at that spot will be help from a big-picture standpoint and game-planning standpoint, which I think they absolutely need. Um, and then again, I think then you get rid of guys where there's a lot of finger-pointing that was on that defense last yeah. year. I think some of that is gone, so I think that helps as well. Let's listen. You want something? You had something? No, I just can't believe Ruben Foster blew out his I, knee on the first day. It was his first ever 11-on-11 snap. Yeah. And, and there's so much more to talk about, but it's just, after all the injuries his team has dealt well, with, it's just astounding. And it's funny because I know like people like, here it goes again, and it, but it's another fluke injury. Right. And that's the thing is, like, what can you, there's nothing you could do because somebody is even like, why are they doing 11-on-11 right away? Because this is football. Right. And even the person who said that really was like later on Twitter is like, I'm just frustrated. I don't blame you. You should be frustrated. Gruden said it. He was like, Gruden. he's like, man, some days I think we should just do nothing but walkthroughs and go play on Sundays. Yeah. But you got to practice. You got to practice. And, you know, and I, I just, you know, it's funny because were you here when Junior Gallette blew out his Achilles the first time? Wasn't it in Richmond? No, it was, it was, they were here. Oh, uh, no, I wasn't. Just the looks, the looks on the coaches' faces that day was something I'd never seen. Like Gruden literally was walking past locker room talking to himself like, I think he was said, I'm just having a bad day. But he said it to nobody was around him. He's just talking to himself. But it was the devastating effect because that was like, I think right around about a week or so before the season. Yeah. It was right after, they it was late August. Right. They were definitely counting him. They liked what they saw. And then that happened. And then they actually went on to make the playoffs that year. That so they 15, were 9-7. Yeah. and seven, But they made it because the quarterback came through, which I can now transition to oh, the other part. Look at that. How about that? Look at that. But so did, now, real quick, did you see Jay leaving the field today? Jay Gruden walking off. The yes, field. he I looked saw. like his dog died. Oh, absolutely! And he <laughs> listen. The one thing Jay doesn't do is hide his emotions. Right. Yeah. You know what that guy's yeah. thinking and feeling based on his, you know, his, the, his body language. You could see it. I mean, I go back to like when when the Kirk and Roberts days here. You could see Who he what wanted he, on the field. You could yeah. see because like he might sit there and say something positive about one guy in particular, but you could tell from the body language that. We're not buying it, Jay. Right. We're not buying it. I messed up your good segue. No, but anyways, let's go to but anyways, let's go to Dwayne Haskins, because that's one of the things we all came out here to see today. And I do want to talk about him for a few minutes before we get out. Um, what did you see from him? I was impressed. Um, the size, the arm are obvious. He was, oh, that's right, because this was you didn't see yeah, it. Yeah, I wasn't here for That's right. Yeah. That's right. So um, this is your first This impression. is my first time seeing him. I uh, the size and the arm we knew he had, right? Like that's not really a question. I, I said to you at one point. I thought the release was quicker than yeah. I was expecting. Um, it is a, a longer windup, but the ball comes out quick. He seemed to have command. 
He did. Um, and, and I was impressed afterwards when we talked to him, and he said his goal today was just to call call the plays right in the huddle. And right. I think it's so important, whether or not his goals aren't actually way bigger, and I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. But publicly, he needs to keep mm-hmm. just taking little bites of the mm-hmm. apple. Hey, I'm competing. Hey, I want to call the plays right in the huddle. Hey, I'm learning the playbook. That's the right way to play this thing. And, and I think that's not how other first-round rookie quarterbacks have played this thing in no. the past. And and I think it's a smart approach. Um, I thought he was better than Keenum. And it was one day in OTAs, but he was. He, I, I felt like he looked better, too. And that, that was when you know he was decisive. The ball was coming out quick, like you said. And when you're just watching them, you look you look at the two throws side by side. It's like, well, there's really no comparison. None. We all know that Case Keenum's a placeholder. The only question is, when does this guy get in? I think the one thing we still need to see is, at what point does he have a mastery of the offense? And because the one thing we never like, you're never sure in practice how much of this is scripted, and he knows what you know. There's yep. a lot of things we don't know, but what I do know is he was throwing the ball well, hitting guys in the right spots, and. Very accurate. Not just accuracy in terms of completing the pass, but where he was completing sure. the pass. The, the one – so the, the, I think on some level, Keenum doesn't really have that leg up on mastery of the offense because right. it's new to him too. He's going to probably grasp it faster just having been in the right. league. But I think Haskins is a little more advanced than people give him credit for as, as understanding a pro offense. Um, I think Keenum's more slippery. And there were times today, and nobody's getting hit, so you can't judge it too much, but where Keenum found a little seam and, and darted out for a right. few yards. And you don't like seeing That's quarterbacks run in these kinds of situations. But I, I don't think Haskins has that. I, and I think I, I think Haskins is going to look better until we see some – closer to live contact stuff. And I think that's there's going to be a lot of that's steps. That's going to be the big question. Absolutely. And there are going to be a lot of steps along the way where we're going to measure that progress and hear from the coaches what they're saying about him and all that. You know, when you look at him, I mean, you're feeling so much talk about week one. My own belief is that get him ready to be a good quarterback. Don't worry about week one. But since we're talking about it, sure. do you look at him and say, like, you know, are you after seeing him, are you more? I'm in. Okay. I'm all in for week one. <laughs> I think if it continues, I, I, there's on the field, and I think if it continues at this pace, he'll be the best. He'll, he will, he will prove to be the best option. And even if they want to let him have some time, he's not going to get it because they also need to win games. Everybody in this organization needs to win games. I think there's also internal and external pressure to play the 15th overall pick, and uh, I just. He's not. This is not Steve Young having to beat out Joe Montana. <laughs> no, it is not. And, and I wonder how different this would look if Colt is healthy. But I don't think we're going to see Colt healthy till training camp. And I think the hard part is, even if Colt's healthy, what does that mean? Because I think he would be the one guy with mastery of the offense. He definitely has That's the, the difference. I think the hard part for Haskins, not just master the offense, but also the NFL. Yeah. Calling the plays the right way. And now, one thing, I, I talked to Jay Gruden about this like after the rookie minicamp. He's like, they can use wristbands for him. They can use other things to help. They can simplify some play calling. They can I talked call to Cooley stuff. about that. Like, yeah. there, there's ways to make it not a 17-word play call. You know what I mean? Like, They you, can signal in it from the sidelines, too. Right. That's one thing Jay also said, that they can do all that. So there are ways to mitigate that learning curve. But you also want to see him live action, sure. dropping back in play action from under center. That's a big part oh, of this yeah. offense. So you've got to see all that first. But I'm with you. Like, when you watch him, like, 
listen, it's just a matter of when. Yeah. It, just, it really isn't, you know, if it's week one, I don't know, but it certainly will happen at some point. It has to. It he, has to. he was better than I was expecting. Okay. I can say that. Now, maybe I need to recalibrate my expectations, but I uh, I was impressed. And it's one day in May. It's two hours in May. One day. Last thing, anybody else jump out to you today? Yes. I thought Trey Quinn looked good. It's tough because the, the old linemen aren't going. Yeah, they're hard to measure. But the, the two drafted rookies I didn't think looked all that impressive. Mm-hmm. Now, Pierce Baker projects probably as a depth guy anyway, so Correct. that rookie yeah. year might be a lot of nothing. Um, Martin, I think, is a guy they need to play right away, and I don't think his immediate skill set is going to be pass blocking, and he didn't look that part. I thought Montez Sweat stood out the other way. Like Now, he's beating tackles that aren't going to be on this roster, but he was beating them pretty soundly, sometimes getting too far upfield. But um, the, the things that stood out to me were guys that weren't here. I was pretty surprised Vernon Davis, Monte Nicholson. Josh Norman not being here, no surprise. We knew that was going to happen. Trent Williams, absolutely no surprise. Um, AP surprised me a bit, but you and Tark, I owe you both sodas. (laughs) You you both didn't expect to see him here. Uh, And he's a veteran. He's a veteran under contract. But Monte is a third-year guy trying to get That surprised me. He's got to be there. And Jay didn't seem thrilled about that. He did not. Uh, Vernon surprised me, too. Now, he might have something, right? Like, it could be his... Uncle's birthday. Like, who right. knows? But the cheap tight end options were all out there. They were. Sprinkle, Flanagan, Holtz, all I think those Nick, guys Monte were out Nicholson there. was the one that disappointed me. But, we don't. again, we don't know why sure. he wasn't there. But that's he might the have had his wisdom teeth removed. But who, that's who a guy who's got to be out there. And I, you know, if it was because Monte was at Kerrigan's golf tournament, too. Correct. That's yeah. right. He was. He was. So, all right, JP, listen. And who I, was your guy? My guy? That stood out. Um. I was so consumed with the Foster I stuff, but I, you know, we I both think, had to run around. I'll tell and you take what, TV you know, the stuff? guy that I love watching right now is Jimmy Moreland. Yeah, you know, he's oh. a guy like he's the guy that it keeps he's fun too. He's fun to watch because he brings in. First of all, he's our size and he's doing <laughs> that stuff out there. So I like watching guys our size do that. But I like the way he plays and sure. he plays like he belongs. And I love guys like, like there's that. zero question. He correct, belongs. correct. Yeah, so, I love that. You know. By the way, I drive somebody crazy by saying correct all the time, so I'm going to try to eliminate them. Who is that somebody? I don't know, related? but somebody... I... Is, is it someone you live with? <laughs> no, it's, it's not. It's not one of my kids. I, somebody I on it was Twitter. your wife. No, it, it's, she doesn't listen. So it was, <laughs> but it was somebody on Twitter who said something like that. I like the way you say correct. Well, it's, I always it's feel good when I get a John Kime correct. Correct. Yeah. There you go. Tell that guy on Twitter to pound sand. Correct. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, JP, I appreciate you joining me. And Happy for those today. listening... If you've made it this far, I owe you a good glass of Pinot Noir. How's that? That's JP. I'll buy the beers. Okay, there you go. Again, listen to JP's podcast. Give me a plug. When he, when's your next one? We're all in this together. Redskins Talk Podcast. You get it anywhere. You can get the John Kime Report. And uh, thanks for having me on, dude. All right, man. Thanks. And now, in a moment, I'm going to play the group interview with Dwayne Haskins. Welcome back. Here's the group interview with Dwayne Haskins after the Redskins' first OTA session. Obviously, you saw what happened to Ruben Foster. You never want to see that from a teammate. What was kind of your reaction and, and your thoughts there? I was surprised by the way it happened. I um, hope he's okay. Um, I, was, I was right there when it happened, and it was uh, definitely uh, awkward, but um, I hope he's all right. What did you see on the play? Uh, I just think he got rolled up on. Uh, I think it would be okay, though. 
how did it feel to be competing with a veteran like Case Keenum, snap after snap, drive after drive? That was great. Um, you know, I want to be with the best and be around the best, compete with the best. And um, in the all season, I pride myself on working out with the best quarterbacks and happen to have one on my team. And, you know, it's great to not only is he a great quarterback, but he's someone that wants to help me. And uh, that means a lot to me. How do you feel like you're picking up the offense, learning the guys, receivers, linemen, all that stuff? Uh, I feel like it's going, going great. I got to take baby steps. I'm still a rookie and I'm not going to happen overnight. But I'm doing my part, studying as hard as I can, and, um, you know, just putting it on the field. What are the parts of the game that you have to be most patient with? Um, it's most patient with just terminology, regurgitating the plays, calling it in the huddle. But um, when it comes to knowing what I'm doing, I feel like I'm pretty good at it. How do you balance that between lear- out here learning on the fly and trying to, you know, you're going to make some mistakes, mistakes as you learn, but also trying to compete and win at the same time? Yeah, I mean, once I know what I'm doing, my eyes are in the right place. So it's pretty, pretty good for me. So uh, that's just it comes with uh, the process of, uh, like you said, learning. Uh, I do the most learning I do in the, in the meetings and then the boardroom and um, in the film room and. That's what happens when you you work hard there. You play well on the field, so that's, that's what I do. I know you're out here for rookie camp, but what was the feeling as you were walking down the hill for your first, I guess, real practice? I'm just blessed. Uh, great opportunity, um, home, you know, in a great place, great great organization, great players, and um, you know, just to take take every day, don't take it lightly, and um, make sure that I put the work in. And, um, you know, very grateful. Do you feel overwhelmed at all for today? And how was your expectation and what really happened different? I don't have any expectations for today. I just wanted to execute. And um, you know, the biggest thing for me was calling the plays right in the huddle. That's all I was worried about today. So um, I felt like I did a pretty good job at it. It was uh, pretty good. Being in the NFL as a rookie, sometimes it could be easy to get overwhelmed. Have you gotten to that stage or any of those moments yet? Uh, no. Uh, football's football. I just got to do, do my part, and everything will take care of itself. When was the first time you met Case, and just sort of what has he done to be able to help you just in this early stage? Uh, I met Case at the Super Bowl, and um, at the time he was a Bronco, so I didn't know he was going to be a Redskin, and I mean, I didn't know where I was going to be either. So it was just cool to get to talk to guys like him and other NFL quarterbacks, and we grew up watching people like him, and um, it, it's great to have him, Colt McCoy, somebody I love growing up. We played for Texas, and it's just very surreal for me. What are some of the things that you that he's been able to kind of even help you with already? Uh, the biggest thing is just like um, just talking ball. It's, it's different terminology. I mean, just uh, speaking the same language. This is what we got to be able to do with uh, having Coach O'Connell, Coach Gruden, and, and Coach Vitae. They all speak same language, and right now I don't. So it's just trying to you know, be on the same page with them. Has Colt or Alex been around the quarterback room uh, so far while you've been here? Yeah. What is it like having so much experience in there, having the opportunity to learn from some really good? Yeah, it's great. I mean, I always told Ohio State that you, you know what you, what you don't know. And uh, be able to have those guys in the room with me and be able to pick their brain and then give me a number of me being able to call them. I know it means a lot for me that they're, they're willing to reach that handout for me. And I'll make sure I, I use that. Has Alex given you any advice just as a former first-round pick to a former to a current first-round pick? I haven't met Alex yet, but I'm sure when I do, I'll talk to him about the days with Coach Meyer and uh, what it takes to be an NFL quarterback. And, and what he did for my homies, I know that was very instrumental for him this year, and I'm just looking forward to getting to meet him. Dwayne, what, what steps, I know we're only talking like a week or two, from the rookie mini camp to now, how different, did you feel different even going in that couple-week process? I actually felt better going to this one than I did in mini camp as far as um, knowing what I'm doing. Um, you know, every, it's an everyday process, and, um, you know, the biggest thing is just being with the rookies and now you're with the vets and throwing the guys like uh, Quinn and um, Brian Quick and all those guys, and, be on the same page with them, and um, you know it's all about timing, and um, trying my trying my best to get my timing with the ones and the twos just because I get to, get to go with both, and um, that's definitely, uh, definitely something important for me. Has anything surprised you that you didn't know what it was going to be like once now that you have been with the vets? Uh, nothing really surprised me. I just I was expecting a, a lot of work. I was expecting a lot of plays and saw it, and um, 
you know, I feel like I'm a pretty fast learner, and it's just me applying myself, and I feel like it's been pretty good so far. Looks like you. I mean, I know it's in just in May practice, but you're getting the ball out quick and all that. Is just is that a comfort level already? Are they, you know, just in terms of you getting the ball out like that? Yeah, I mean, I mean you know where your eyes are supposed to be. It makes it a lot easier. Um, be able to read safety keys, read protections, and um, you know. Uh, you play fast when you know what you're doing, and that's like I said, it comes in doing meetings and, and watching film and studying after hours, and um, you know that's what I want to do to play, and uh, that's what I have to do, put overtime in, and, um, and like you've seen today, when I'm on the when I'm on my on my P's and Q's, I feel pretty good about it. I know that rookie camp you said you had about 20% of the playbook. Has that expanded? Uh, I feel like it's more detail oriented now, as far as um, motions, different formations, same concepts, but um, we're installing uh, the basics of the, of the playbook right now, and. As we get closer to the season, we'll start um, pr- uh, uh, planning for games and stuff. So um, right now, I was just trying to get the basis. We're going to need a percentage every time we pop to you. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you. Thank you, Dwayne. Dwayne thanks. thanks very much. Thank appreciate it. That's all for this week. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and appreciate you listening. We'll have another one for you soon. <laughs>